0: is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 394, recorded on Tuesday, September the 25th, 2018. Welcome to the program, Jason. Well, thank you, Chris. Welcome to the program yourself. Thank you. It's good to be here. Uh, We are, of course, here to talk about the second to last episode of season four of Fear the Walking Dead. But there's something I want to address just before we get to that, if that's okay.
2: That's fine with me, man.
1: Because there was some news this week that I thought it would be worth mentioning. We don't do a lot of news coverage when we're actually in the middle of a, a season, just because we tend to focus on the show. But some news came out earlier this week, uh, or maybe the end of last week, that Telltale Games is shutting down. Oh, all, like just the whole thing. Well, Telltale Games has already shut down, I should probably say.
2: The whole thing. Like, well, like, like not just you're shutting down games and anything, but the whole company itself is folding and they're selling off uh, assets.
1: Basically, they're gone. Um, they put out an announcement that... Uh, 250 employees in one day laid off, uh, and the company essentially at this point virtually no longer exists. According to the original uh, statement, they kept on about 25 to finish off a single project. But as of this time, Telltale Games is pretty much no more, which came as a pretty big shock to everybody.
2: Yeah. And those 25 people that are left to work on that project, nobody has incentive to finish it like who's going to actually do work why would you do work what yeah. are they going to do
1: not fire you at the end of it <laughs> well that's right i don't know i don't know what's going on with that i i don't even know what project that is but it's it's not a great situation apparently all 250 of those people were essentially terminated no severance just just gone um oh. there's a there's a class action lawsuit starting up you know f- uh, around that right now but 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 really, it's pretty nuts to to think that all those people that have been working with telltale some for quite some time I imagine are suddenly just kicked out on their ass, and that's it um and so other than that twenty five that group of twenty five and whatever the final project was, all other projects, which is of course all of their video games were basically shut down and cancelled, including. The final season of The Walking Dead.
2: Oh, so sad.
1: Which is, yeah, which is kind of a big deal. This is the final season. They had released episode one. Episode two, I believe, was actually released today. So they they put that one out there. But as of the news breaking last week, there was no intention of finishing it, of completing the game, of putting out episodes three and four and actually concluding Clementine's story.
2: Right. So because if you're in that situation where you got to shut down the the company, obviously they're not making money. Uh, so if you're in that situation, what incentive do you have to finish the game out of loyalty to the fans? Fuck them. They're not we're not getting any more money out of them, so screw them. And the employees, screw those too.
1: Well, I if mean, if there was
2: a way for the employees to get together and finish the game and I could figure out a way to give them money directly, I would do that
1: sure and and actually a lot some people have come out and kind of said that uh a lot of people are are really upset by the fact that they're not going to see the conclusion of this game but i and i know that's sad and not great and not fun for anybody especially those who've invested you know many many hours of time into playing it and so on but at the end of the day telltale should have treated their real world employees a little yeah. bit better That's what I'm
2: upset about. I'm not uh, like, uh, you know, things that aren't finished are, you know, part of life nowadays. Look at Firefly. It's been years since Firefly not ended. And, uh, you know, it's still annoying. I still want to enter an alternate universe where that show lasted seven years before yeah. they came out with a movie. Right. That's the world I want to live in. Not this one. This one's a piece of crap. <laughs> and I'm mad at Telltale Games for not giving their employees severance. And I would be, I would consider, uh, you know, there's probably still ways to get the Telltale Games, the, the, the Walking Dead games that I haven't played yet. I wanted to play those games. Now, I'm not so sure that I want to actually spend money doing that because... The employees are not going to get it. I don't know if the company is going to fold and just Steam or whoever has these games uh, is going to get the money and not Telltale, but I definitely don't want Telltale to get it. And if there was a way for me to steal this game and then send a check to the employees, I would do that. Ooh, you bad man i am a bad man i'm mad at them for not uh treating their employees better yeah i don't i'm not going to play these games because of that and i'm pissed off about it because i wanted to play these games
1: yeah i i don't know if they if the uh, the games are still for sale i mean they shouldn't be really in my opinion but um but they may be at this point I, I don't know maybe it takes time to remove them but you wouldn't think so well it depends i mean if it's uh if it's a console right There's just there's the
2: discs floating around somewhere, right? They're going to end up in a game store in a bin somewhere. You could probably still buy them. Telltale won't get them. I don't know if they're available on Steam, if Steam will still offer them for sale, even though uh, the company no longer exists, because maybe Steam still feels like they own the rights to sell this game.
1: Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if they're Steam games, but I mean, Xbox Live, obviously they're available there and things like that. So, um, so, so that's crappy, but, News then came out today, Telltale put out another statement, that apparently there are multiple potential partners who have expressed interest in helping them see the game through to completion. So it sounds like they could sell the game off to another developer who would finish it.
2: Right, but that still doesn't mean the employees are getting the money. That means that whoever owns the rights to it is getting the money and not the the employees they fucked
1: over so i'm still not gonna buy it sure fair enough fair enough if there was some way to to ensure that everyone who'd worked on it up to this point got what they deserved some sort of severance pay um you know you can't necessarily blame steam for running out of, or um i mean telltale for running out of money and shutting down but you do have to treat people well and that's that's the biggest thing here so it's that wasn't a surprise for them like last thursday when they went, oh shit! Now
2: we got to shut down all the uh, all the stores. I didn't. the The CEO and the heads of the company didn't wake up that morning and going, "Crap, we got hire, we got to fire everybody." They knew about it ahead of time, and
1: they could have planned better, I suppose. They
2: could have planned better instead of having their own golden parachutes. They could have uh, said, "Okay, you know, it's not as much severance as we'd like to give you, but you know, really, we got to do what we can for the employees." They just said, "No, you're fired. No severance. Mm-hmm. Good luck,
1: assholes." I didn't think this would make you so angry.
2: I'm pissed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm I'm not pissed about you know losing the the content of the game. I'm pissed about what they uh, that no severance thing really annoys me.
1: Yeah. No. It's it's not a very good situation overall. Um, but at the end of the day, we might get more Telltale games, and let's hope that Telltale steps up and and does the right thing here somehow um, by treating their employees better. But Really, it's sad on all fronts. No more Clementine, no more video games. People lost their jobs and nothing was handled very well. So it is too bad uh, because I was kind of all gearing up to actually play the final season. Well, get caught up on season three and then play the final season after that. But that doesn't seem like it's going to happen now.
2: Yeah, so Steam has season two. I'm looking for the other ones, see if I can find it. Anyway, I'll look.
1: Yeah. See if it's still available. It may be there. All right. Uh, Well, I just wanted to bring that up because I thought it was kind of big news in the Walking Dead universe this week. But let's move on into our main discussion uh, about Fear the Walking Dead Season 4, Episode 15. Hi, Chris and Jason. This is Gail from Brisbane. Love your
3: podcast. But I lose people too.
1: (laughs) Thanks, Gail. (laughs) Sad to hear that you lose people uh but that of course is the title of this episode I lose people dot 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 or I, should mm-hmm. I say ellipses Ellipsis ellipsis Ellipses ellipsis I don't know what's correct
2: dot 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 I don't know whatever you say <laughs> tomato I say whatever this this thing is
1: dot 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 So I lose people it's the second last episode of season 4 and um I guess I can start with this one by saying I'm kind of, I'm, I think I'm a little all over the place on this episode, uh, I don't... You
2: laughed, you cried, it was better than Cats?
1: Uh, sure. I don't know. I never saw Cats. I never saw Cats. We're, we're the two, only two people in the universe who never saw Cats, I think. Well, not so
2: much anymore. Like, there's lots of people now that haven't seen Cats. Oh,
1: sure. But for a while there.
2: Yeah, for a while there.
1: Cats was a big deal.
2: You're all over the place. You uh, you liked parts of it. You didn't like parts of it. You hated certain parts of it. You yelled at the screen for other parts And then he broke down in this sobby wet mess for other parts.
1: Well, I, yeah, that's sort of it. Um, I think there was a lot going on in this episode. Some of it, not very good. Uh, a, a few things here and there, pretty good. Um, other things, not good, but fun, uh, or, or good, but dumb, you know? And so I think the episode was all over the place and my feelings about it are a little bit all over the place, Um, but one thing that I could sort of feel them going for in this episode was the feel-good moments. You know, I think there were more than one in this episode of the show. Moments that were designed to make you go, oh yeah, all right, the team's all back together, or, um, you know, she sure did just drive that truck through the river, that was awesome, you know, that kind of stuff, but...
2: Right, and that that's jarring for you because it shouldn't have that many feel good moments in one episode.
1: well, I'm not saying it shouldn't have it, but they just felt like they were on the nose, you know they were just put in there in such an obvious way that yes, they're feel good moments, and sometimes they made me feel good, and I can't deny that, but I well, also you hate that I, well i I hate feeling good, no but i but I also think to myself, oh, I'm just being manipulated here, they're just doing this because they think they can. Um, so overall, I didn't really love this episode, but parts of it kind of made me feel good.
2: <laughs> I like this episode. Did you I, really? I, like, I'm, I, you know, I thought it was, uh, I didn't think it was a fantastic episode, but I thought it was, uh, overall an enjoyable episode. It was people fighting zombies even the, uh, the dirty lady wasn't really a big deal. She'll become a big deal later, but even then, you know, she wasn't even a, a, a big proponent in this. It was the zombies. It was defeating the zombies and working together as a team and sacrificing, even though your sacrifices meant nothing in this one. Uh, I did enjoy the feel good moments that driving the truck through the, uh, through the flood zone. I thought that was fantastic. I think that's a great idea. I have a whole story about a deuce and a half that I want to talk about that uh, is relevant to that. Uh, You know, it was, uh, I like it when people work together. I like it when there's not a lot of infighting. If they just took Jimbo out of here and he died right at the beginning, it would have been a perfect episode.
1: (laughs) Well, I agree with that about Jim. I am glad he's dead, which I'll talk about, but I don't know, man. Like, I agree with you. It's fun to see people come together, work together. It's really, uh, it's really compelling to watch people sort of do their jobs and do it well. And in a zombie apocalypse show, their job is surviving, escaping dangerous situations, you know, like I said, working together and, and stuff like that. And yes, there, there was some of that in this episode, but wasn't there also just moment after moment after moment of like, oh, that's such a convenient coincidence or wow. He sure like he, Morgan sure was accurate with that zombie off the, the roof of the building. Like, Oh, that I had a problem with. I mean, we'll, like, we'll get to the
2: nitpicky portion of the episode soon, but yes, that was awfully first try. I was, I was very happy that, uh, you know, like when you have to swing a 150 pound person off a building and not rip your shoulders out of your sockets and you're able to actually swing them and not just dangle them over the roof and then let go because they're way too friggin' heavy. Uh, you know, you can accurately hit, predict the trajectory of a falling body, uh, to hit a car. And the car still had its alarm set, uh, the battery worked, and I'm not sure that car alarms go off when they get into an accident.
1: I mean... But, you yeah. know, setting all of that aside, it was enjoyable. But, but And that's what I'm saying. Like, th- there is so much that you have to just put a pin in and set aside to enjoy this episode that, for me, it was almost too much. I... Right. You know, let let's talk about the whole hospital escape scene because it's okay. it's long and drawn out, and it's full of stuff like that. It's full of Morgan um, being able to dangle a zombie, like a, a full size human body, off the side of a building by his feet. I couldn't yeah. hold I couldn't hold you off a building by your feet. There's no way no. in hell, and I wouldn't ask you to. No,
2: it would. Yeah, that's uh, that flat out impossible. Implausible. Even like I don't know if it's it's not, uh, but he was holding the body away from the wall. Yeah, which is impossible. Nobody has the upper body strength to do that. Maybe Arnold Schwarzenegger for uh, somebody who was smaller. Yeah, let's say 150
1: pounds. Maybe let's say very few people have the ability to do that for very long. Um, Yeah. So that's what I mean. Like so much stuff like that just got in my way of enjoying this episode more. Um, but I sort of sat there acknowledging, yeah, all right, throwing a zombie off the roof to to hit a car, that's kind of awesome, even though it's also kind of dumb. Okay, asshole, (laughs) throw a brick, right? I mean, (laughs) wouldn't a brick do the same thing? Why throw a zombie? Throw, Throw, uh, you know, pick up an air conditioner. How about a chair? There's probably a chair, right? Uh, there's probably lots of things. I mean, it wouldn't do the same damage. You need something that kind of weighs that much, but... No, you don't. I mean, like I say, I don't think when cars get
2: into accidents like that, that the alarm goes off. If you hit a car with a brick, the alarm's going to go off. If the alarm's set and the battery still works, you hit a car with a brick, the alarm is going to go
1: off. And apparently every single car parked around that hospital down there has a working battery and alarm, and it's ready to go off. Or at least the two that they tried.
2: But we knew that going in, right? Because of the opening, uh, uh, the opening title sequence. Yes. Right? The car with the blinking lights were like, oh, well, that's the obvious solution right there. Right. There was a bit of a lost leader here. This wasn't the actual one they were referencing. It It
1: was the one at the end. The title card, though, I made a note of that. That kind of bothered me because I thought of that as a spoiler for their their own episode. Title cards are spoilers for their episode, But they're not usually that blatant. Like, come on. You can't really consider when you see a truck driving across the horizon in the title scene a real spoiler because, like, that's so vague. This, a car alarm going off when you know that we have a bunch of people stuck on a roof with a bunch of cars down there. Oh, I immediately figured out, well, they're going to somehow set a car alarm off and it's a distraction to draw the zombies away. And it didn't occur to me that they'd throw something on it, to be fair. But I thought, well, somebody else is going to show up, realize they're up there and then set off a car alarm as a distraction. Somebody on the ground, right? Right. But I still was like, well, that's obviously what they're they're going to do. So it kind of bothered me that they gave that away in the title card, to be honest with you. I didn't... It was the first one I didn't really appreciate,
2: but I guess my counter argument is that it wasn't a spoiler.
1: I mean it was a spoiler, but that's
2: not the meaning of it. The meaning wasn't that that that's how they're going to escape it's the the demise of uh, Jimbo was what that meant, so yeah. they put it in there, and it was kind of a lost leader was to throw you off like okay that that is what it meant, but it's not it's it was the ending, and uh, the departure of our dear departed Jimbo, uh, <laughs> that was the meaning of that uh, car with the blinking lights, which the blinking wasn't consistent. It drove me mad. Yeah. It wasn't It wasn't actually just blink, blink, blink. The timing was off. I don't know if somebody did it manually, but if you're going to do it manually, get a professional drummer to do it so that it at least has some semblance of uh, proper timing. Rhythm.
1: All right. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. So we talked last week, we speculated about how are they going to get off the roof of this building? What can they possibly do? We came up with all kinds of clever ideas. I thought zip lining, helicopter, um, some sort of levitation down. I think you went with, you know, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. yeah Turns out they just took the elevator back down.
2: Yeah. What the would you know, you go out the way you came in. If you're in a, Uh, A situation, in any situation, fire, earthquake, zombie apocalypse, uh, you know, any kind of uh, madman in in the building, uh, don't get into an elevator. Elevators are death traps. Unless the only way to get out of an elevator when it's stopped is to have somebody help you. If there's nobody around to help you, you're hooped.
1: Don't get into an elevator. Ever, 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 ever. Well, except that they said that the staircases were blocked, so they had to get into the elevator to do this, and the only reason they could is because they were able to get the power back on. Yeah, even then.
2: Power could go out. Generator could go off. Uh, there could be a zombie stuck in the gears. Right. Who knows what's going on? The maintenance the zombie. Uh, you know The maintenance guy died, and uh, now he's a zombie, and he's stuck in the gears, and it starts moving, and he gets all ground up in there, and the elevator stops, and between
1: floors, you can't get the door open, you're screwed. You're screwed. So let me ask you a question then. Morgan was reluctant to do anything at the beginning of the episode. June convinced him that he has to be the one to help them. Um, I have to say that the the whole friggin premise of this show this season convinced morgan that he had to be the one to help them because he's doing everything um but what made him think that going back into the elevator and back down again was in fact a good idea was there anything in this to indicate that you know when they got back down to that floor the doors of the elevator wouldn't open and there'd be a massive crowd of zombies standing right in front of them instead of none I didn't I didn't see where where that came from. Uh they didn't show it. No, I'm I'm not so sure. So I don't really understand why they decided this was a good idea other than it seemed like the only option. And that's maybe all it was. Like when you only have one option, it's either starve to death up there or give it a try. And it turns out that when they got back down there, it looked like that a lot of the zombies had been crushed by a, a ceiling cave-in of some kind. So I started to think, well, did Morgan somehow know this happened? Was he able to determine that from the roof somehow? Uh, You know, maybe it was only one story down and part of the roof had collapsed. I I don't know. I I couldn't really figure it out. So it kind of bothered me that they get stuck up there and it was supposed to be this big dramatic thing. How are they going to get down? And then they just take the elevator and the zombies are gone conveniently. So
2: yeah, I guess that's one of those things you just kind of got to put a pin in. Like, uh, the dirty lady, uh, what was her name again? Martha. Martha. Right. Superman's mom. Uh, Martha shows up and, you know, is on a murderous rage and then she just collapses. Well, I guess she's dealt with. Yeah. Right? It's just, it's all kind of just, uh, big things that are leading up. It's like, oh, this is an impossible situation. Uh, she's very dangerous. The lobby is filled with zombies and it turns out it's not a problem. It's like the whole, it's, it's, a. Uh, it's an analogy for the whole uh, season right there's just the whole season is predicated on this big hurricane that's happening and it's not really a big deal i mean sure it made things messy yeah there's from water added that uh, there was you know a killer crocodile slash shark uh in the uh, in the water but uh really it was wasn't that big a deal so nothing none of the situations that they're in right now uh turned out to be a big deal
1: it's kind of an interesting parallel, actually, when you put it that way. This whole big storm that was supposed to be a big problem wasn't, and then they get stuck in these seemingly impossible situations, and they turn out they're just not that problematic at all.
2: Maybe that's something we need to take to heart as a as a race, like as the human race, and uh, about our problems that we have in reality and in our world that we seem, seem to think that are insurmountable, when in fact, they're not really a big deal. We just, you know...
1: Get around them and move on. Are you? You're trying to say that the the showrunners and the writers of this show have figured something out here that we're we're just not picking up on. That is actually a really important, could be a really important aspect to the human exist human existence. They're
2: making a, a social commentary. Yeah. You know? Really, all these big problems that we have that we seem to feel like they're the end of the world. You know, when it comes right down to it, sometimes your problems just go away.
1: <laughs> Ignore the problem; it'll go away. I mean. I do sometimes have to remind myself that at work, <laughs> you know, when I'm, I have to constantly remind
2: myself that, uh, if I don't get this done, nobody's going to die. I'm not a doctor.
1: I'm, you know, nobody's life is on the line here. Yeah. We're not saving babies, man. Yeah. So uh, I, yeah, I mean, that's, that's an interesting theme and I, and I like it. And if that's what they're going for, then good on them. I'm not so sure I'm convinced. they totally but, not going for that. Yeah. <laughs> we can always hope, right? We can. Um, so they get down there. There's no zombies. They get into the generator room looking for Al. And I didn't mind this part so much. Uh, I, I sort of, the everything Morgan did in this episode, I found slightly annoying just because of he he was so concerned with getting them out of there. But the thing that bothered me in the generator room is Luciana goes and picks up Al's note. Mm-hmm. And then Sarah walks over and takes it from her and reads it. And I'm like, I don't understand this. This may be a small gripe on my part, but like, why not just have Lucy read it? it? It it seems like she can't read the way they played this off. And I feel like it's a bit of a trope where one person finds the note, but somebody else reads it. And I don't know what it is. I It just jumped out at me as weird maybe the
2: number of dialogue lines that each of these uh, new characters or new actors have in their contracts are dictated and are fought for by their managers and agents. And that uh, in this episode, her agent said, you know what? Her number of lines are not as, uh, as big as you said that they were going to be. So she needs to take on a bigger Mm -hmm.
1: role. Yeah. So, but then again, why not have her pick up the damn piece of paper? True. That's that's all I'm saying. It just seems weird. It it, it makes it, feel like Lucy can't read. <laughs> I don't think that's what they were going for. It's like, oh my God, Al left a note. Here, I'll just I don't know what let it says. you take a look at this. Yeah. It's like, oh, I know most of these letters. Yeah, but that's where it ends. <laughs> yeah. Um. So so that was that. The The group splits up. The rest of them go down the service elevator because Al said that's where she went. So fine. They took another elevator down. Morgan goes back up. We've talked about his throw... I don't buy it for a second that he could throw that zombie off off the roof. Um, let's just mentally
2: substitute that zombie with a brick. Sure. I guess and that's fine. Maybe 10 bricks. Right. Well, five bricks. Okay, let's say he's a good shot. He knows what he's doing. He has a pretty good upper, ar- upper arm and hand-eye coordination. Let's say five bricks in order to hit the, uh, hit the car and set off the alarm. I think I could hit a car from like nine stories with five bricks. Okay. Well, good for you. It'd probably take me about seven. <laughs> okay. I'm estimating seven. I have good eye hand, hand-eye coordination, but my upper body strength is not what it used to be. So let's say seven, just to give myself
1: a few, uh, you know, practice shots. But
2: let's just mentally substitute that zombie
1: body with a brick. Well, they should have physically substituted that zombie body with a brick and I would have been happier. Uh, all right. So everyone gets down the fire truck fire truck scene. This is how they get Morgan off the roof, roof. So how, So how did they get the fire truck there? Um that's a good question. They have now teamed up with everybody. So we'll we'll talk about how they met up with everyone in a minute or at least what led everyone back together. Um but they've teamed up with everyone and Sarah says the fire truck's engine doesn't work, but the ladder hydraulics are still purring like a kitten, I think she says. Right. So you're right. How'd the fire truck get there? They towed it maybe with the, with Al's uh, It probably truck? has
2: enough power to tow it, uh, you know, along smooth ground. If you ever like going over, uh, you know, a mountain path, no. But yeah. you know, if they found it a little ways away and they tied a, uh, a chain to it and tied and brought it over there, Sure. Okay, yeah, maybe. But they didn't show that. It's just like, oh, a, there happened to be a fire truck parked here.
1: Yeah, again, seems a little too easy. Like they're they're not showing us the difficult bits. They're just showing us the hey, there's a fire truck here now, and we're gonna have someone jump off a roof into the oh, shit. Yeah, no,
2: they showed it. I'm just uh, I'm jumping around in the episode on another screen here, and uh, they show. Uh they show them unhooking a chain from underneath the fire truck uh, hooked up to the uh, to the other SWAT truck. Right. So they towed it there. Okay.
1: Now that I now, that, good. You, now that you say that, I, I remember seeing that. Alicia, she does it, right? Yep. Okay. Watched the
2: episode twice, missed that both times, but on my random scanning around,
1: I caught it. Perfect. Well, that's good. That's why you're scanning around. Yeah. So this is another scene, though, for me, where I'm like, oh, this is so implausible, but... I kind of enjoyed it, like seeing nah, Morgan. You
2: find a thing down the road, maybe in a fire hall. Holy shit, that vehicle's got a huge ladder on it. I wonder if we could use that to, you know, get somebody down off the top of a building, which is what this vehicle in particular is meant to do.
1: I right? see. Yeah, that's true. It is, but I mean, y- your your average, you know, citizen. I'm not sure is going to be able to jump from the roof to the top of the ladder like that. Oh was, we're gonna to get to that in a second. It was it was fun. It was exciting, but I actually
2: yelled at the I threw my hands up in the air and I yelled parkour at the uh at the screen. I was so happy. Really? Like, parkour. He successfully parkoured onto that thing. He did. You uh, remember in the episode of the office and they were all jumping around going parkour, parkour, parkour. Well,
1: no, not exactly, but that sounds like something they do on the office. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> uh The part where Morgan has to climb down to the lower level, that was good until the zombie came smashing through the glass. I think I would have preferred there just to have been no glass there and the zombie sort of stealths up on him. That would have been okay because smashing through that glass seemed a little nuts to me. It's
2: it's really designed not to allow people to do that. That's the thing. And how
1: compromised Uh, could it have
2: been? Once. I mean, repeatedly there was that guy in Toronto that used to show the interns. This is a famous story. I know. I have to. For the people who don't know, there was this guy in an office tower in Toronto that uh, used to show the interns how strong the windows were by running and jumping at the window and and checking it essentially, and the glass wouldn't move. But after doing this repeatedly, I don't know how many times, whether it was over years, but he eventually loosened it enough that it broke and he fell to his death. And he basically jumped out of
1: his office building, yeah.
2: Yeah, so don't be an idiot and do that. Especially don't do it repeatedly. But doing it once, these kind of windows are designed to not let people break through them. So having this zombie... Uh, do that from probably a standing start uh, about a foot away from the window because they're like, holy crap, there's a guy out there. And then just walk through the window. Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense. So yeah, maybe if the window was already broken.
1: Already broken or or partially shattered or something. I don't know. But he just came right through. Uh, but that's not even the, the the craziest part of this scene, in my opinion. Do you know what- Was it the, was it the shot
2: where he obviously got bit on the shoulder? Uh, <laughs> no, but it did come pretty close to me, it looked like. <laughs> It, it it looked like one of those scenes, remember we were talking about other scenes where people mm-hmm. got, uh, they got themselves bitten and uh, they showed it, but we didn't really notice it. This time I noticed it.
1: Yeah, you're you're looking for it now. and uh, But yeah. I don't think Morgan is bit unless we're going to find out next week that he is.
2: It, they might have to cut off his neck, you know, just <laughs> prophylactically.
1: <laughs> right. No, that's not the worst part of this scene for me. The worst part of this was... When the zombie has Morgan leaning off the edge of the building and from probably, what, seven stories down with a pistol, John Dory is able to snipe that zombie in the head. I am sorry. I don't know that anyone could make that shot, even John Dory.
2: Okay, so uh, after—yeah, before I yelled parkour, I— I said to the screen, I didn't yell it in any kind of raised voice. I said, wow, that was a lucky shot because at that range, pistols are not accurate. I don't care how good you are. Right. That is a lucky shot that he
1: didn't shoot Morgan in the head or miss completely. And, and, and I'm okay with luck. Like, to be honest, you can have a character who is lucky as a character trait. Like you could argue that Han, everything Han Solo ever did was because he was lucky are strong with the force but that's not true. So luck is probably closest to the to the truth there. But and that's fine. A, a lucky character is fine. John Dory, maybe he is just a lucky character and and you know, I can I can get on board with that. He uh, did find the love of his life in the zombie apocalypse. Sure. I mean, how's that for luck? That's pretty good. But luck doesn't equal super um uh superhuman abilities. It just means you're lucky. And I think making that shot was a little too superhuman for me because he may be lucky, but you're also limited by the mechanics of the gun and stuff like that. So maybe he wasn't even aiming at the two of them. Maybe he was aiming like,
2: uh, above and like three feet to the left. And he's like, he wanted to scare the zombie. I don't know, but, uh, he just shot and then it, it hit the zombie and he's like, wow, that was
1: lucky. Yeah. Distract the zombie, uh, enough to give Morgan enough time to like push it off. I don't know. Anyways, he shot it in the head, saved Morgan, and then Morgan had to make his jump. And the jump, as improbable as I think it was, was pretty spectacular.
2: I don't know if it was improbable. Like that seemed to me like it was a practical effect uh, and not a special effect. So I think somebody made that jump. With a harness or something, right? Yeah, of course. They're not going to like, (laughs) yeah, they're not idiots all the time. Uh, you know, properly done stunts are very safe, but I think that a human being did that jump. And so I give Morgan the benefit of the doubt that
1: he could do that jump. And I was very excited and I yelled parkour. Okay. Um, I have a, I, I don't know for sure if, if anyone did that jump. I think they talked about it on AMC's Talking Dead after the episode, which I did not, I caught the very beginning of, but then, uh, had to go. So... They might have talked about it. If anyone saw that and you can confirm if that was a practical effect, I would like to know because that's exciting if it was. I wonder if it was actually done that high off the ground though. Probably not, right? No, they're not that dumb. (laughs) Like you do it so that it's
2: only, you know, it's the whole area is filled with foam and it probably was a a foam cherry picker. So in case you smashed your face on it, you didn't want to lose all your teeth. But uh, yeah, I think that the... Yeah, I just watched it again. That's totally a practical effect. Okay. That's that's fun. I I'm I i do not think it was Lenny James. Like, don't get me wrong. No. Because they would never allow that to happen. It's not like he's Bruce Willis or anything. No, Bruce Willis, Tom Cruise, he would do that himself for sure. Oh uh, sorry, that's what I that's what I meant. Tom Cruise. Ah, okay. Uh Tom Cruise, uh but he uh, you know, he has its own he uses his own money for insurance. Right? So nobody's needs- gonna insure to, to have Tom Cruise jumping making a jump like that he has to put up his own coin to say yeah i'm going to ensure the whole friggin show yeah and my own life uh, myself well he basically okay. owns the movies anyways so he can do whatever he wants it was a uh, yeah there's a whole story behind that yeah uh, but yes he does and good for him
1: so they get down uh everybody is now They end up stuck on top of the fire truck, and I felt like this was kind of super lazy writing just so that they could have Jimbo jump off the roof. It couldn't have been that hard to get not stuck on the top of that fire truck, or maybe use the ladder that they just proved works perfectly to, I don't know, extend it across over to the do Al's van which was parked right in front of them or do something with it to get off it just seems like well we need everyone stuck somewhere because Jim's going to jump off and cause a distraction and sacrifice himself and that's going to be really big and emotional so let's just get them stuck on top of the fire truck i mean where else makes sense
2: yeah i, I guess i didn't think of it as lazy, lazy writing i was just thinking uh, well out of the frying pan into the fire like what's the matter with you
1: people well, well that's there? a good concept you know you you move from one dangerous situation to another, but it didn't, it just felt like it was, uh, contrived so that they could give Jim something to do up there. I mean, you could see it from a mile away. What was going to happen here, right? Jim's bit, they leave him up there. Well, he's going to cause a distraction. He's going to jump off now and land on a car. So great. We need them stuck. Fire truck is there. Eh, that's good enough. Yeah. That was my opinion on it, but they really
2: left Jimbo a gun. Because if I was going to jump off onto uh, a vehicle, knowing that once I die I would come back to life as a as the undead, mm-hmm. I would shoot myself on the way down. <laughs> sure. Right. Yes, you like, okay, here we go, bang. I wonder what if that goes. would you're take
1: done. some coordination to do, and you wouldn't. Uh, I like put it less. in your mouth. Okay, fair enough. All right. Yeah. Well, I'll leave him a gun. Uh, yeah, but they didn't do that. Um, but but again, that wasn't the the worst part of this scene for me. For me, the do you
2: know what the worst part was in this case? Reciting the recipe over the radio.
1: Oh Jesus! It was the most tedious, stupid thing I have seen in a while. I, I, I hated that part. Like, well, where are they going to get all those ingredients?
2: Those ingredients are like way specific. It should be like, uh, you know, five pounds of dirt, four cans of. Uh, tomato sauce and, you know, <laughs> other stuff that you can get around
1: the house kind or, of thing. Or around the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, like
2: looking for, uh, you know, pills of malt, uh, you know, wheat malts and, uh, there was some Czech something or other. saws, hops. Yep. Saws hops. There's like Slovenian pellets. Like seriously, where are they going to find this shit? Yeah. They're not going to find this shit. Well, they so have- what's the point? They like, have- you know, go find some beer. And then you'll have some beer. How's that for a
1: recipe? Well, I'm so sick and tired of hearing about beer on this show. I mean, to me, Jim was the most one-dimensional, useless character. And I felt nothing when he jumped off the roof, roof other than, God, I'm glad they're finally going to stop talking about beer, which sadly they didn't as they drove away. But the problem was it's supposed to be this big feel-good emotional moment. And this is a feel-good moment on the show that didn't work at all for me. So... Number one, I can't stand Jim, and so I was rooting for him to jump off. Number two, I don't buy the fact that this recipe is so frigging important to Sarah, and even Jim, to be honest. I mean, we're supposed to believe that they're in the zombie apocalypse, surrounded by zombies, and this is the most important thing to them, and and not, like, finding your next meal, or finding somewhere to sleep safely, things like that. I just I just don't get it. And I was never, never able to connect with this storyline at all. So uh, I just couldn't get emotionally invested in it. And then not only that, they're stuck on the top of this, this fire truck. And if we're supposed to believe that they're actually in real danger, yet here they are and take two minutes to stand around while someone recites a beer recipe to you, not... You know, maybe he's up on the roof giving a vantage point saying, like, if you go this way, you have the best chance to escape because there's more zombies to the West. You should go East, you know, anything to help them. But no, they spend two minutes reciting a beer recipe and I just hated it. So I was glad that Jim jumped off and I was hoping we wouldn't have to, uh, to hear about beer anymore, but then driving away while they are chatting about naming the beer, I was just like, who fucking cares? Stop talking about beer. Who cares? Move on. This is the zombie apocalypse. You should be emotionally devastated from this. You should be, you should be worried about other things. Um, and then to cap it all off, they named it Jimbo's Beerbos. Like, I just screamed out, what the fuck, guys? That is the <laughs> stupidest name. And this whole thing is ridiculous.
2: Uh Yeah. And he jumped onto a uh, minivan with all its all its doors open, so there's no way the alarm was set.
1: Okay, well, just saying. All right, yeah, that's there's that too, I suppose. Um, Jimbo's beer bows. What? It, well, there's some pretty dumb names out there. So, I and guess.
2: you know, if we go into naming things, we're looking at uh, we're looking at names of bands, we're looking at names of albums, we're looking at names of beers. There's some pretty dumb names for. All of those things, names become meaningless over a while because they just have the title, like uh, you know, of the thing that they're uh, like the Beatles, B E A T L E S. Beatles, that's a dumb name. No, that's
1: a clever name. I. It's not clever.
2: That's a dumb name. That became clever, classic over
1: time. So you're saying that when the Beatles first broke onto the scene in the '60s, they people were like, "That's a dumb name."
2: Uh Well, I don't know what they were thinking. I think I it's clever. I think
1: B-E-A-T-L-E-S is clever because it's not Beatle, it's Beatle. <laughs> okay, look at Foo Fighters. That's
2: okay, a, now I know for a fact, I watched a Foo Fighters documentary and I watched uh, from the beginning, the, the beginnings of the Foo Fighters when Dave Grohl started this whole thing, the trials and tribulations that they went through, you know, after uh, uh Nirvana ended and then the starting of this band and then, you know, going through, uh, its success and all that stuff. At the end of the documentary, there was an actual quote. He said, if I thought that I, that it was going to be this big, I would have come up with a better name. Yeah. I agree. Foo Fighters is a dumb name, but man, are they a good band? They, yes, absolutely. Yeah. The, at the beginning of that documentary, uh, Dave Grohl was the fifth drummer that Nirvana had, Mm -hmm. uh, uh. Um Kirk Cobain called their manager when they were looking for drummers and he called him and said, I think I found the best drummer in the world. He's not wrong. No, he might have been he's right. Absolutely not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Grohl is fantastic. At everything. Uh, honestly. At everything. I yeah. you know, there was uh he was he's in was in a super group as well. I forget the name of the group. Uh where he was playing the drums, and there was just there was a part of that drum uh that drum line that just blew me away. It was like, I don't even understand what he's doing. And I had to figure it out and I figured it out and
1: I, I can't do it, but at least I understand it now. Well, there you go. Well, I've always thought Soundgarden was a really good name for a band. I mean, a sound garden of a sound, you know, that's the, what it evokes is cool.
2: Yeah. But like, I'm, all I'm saying is that some things have really crappy names and they stick and they're okay after a while. You don't have to pick the best name in the world. You just have to pick a name. So Jimbo's Beerbos, if it becomes popular and becomes a classic, you know, 30 years from now, everybody's drinking Jimbo's beer bows. Then think, well, wow, this is the first post zombie apocalypse beer that ever came out and it saved all our lives because, uh, drinking water is unsanitary and unsafe. Mm-hmm. And the only way to really get your hydration and proper nutrition is by drinking Jimbo's Beerbos. I think it, uh, I think it's fine.
1: Well, I can see your point because we've said it enough now that I'm already starting to grow. It's already starting to grow on me.
2: I'm going to be mad if they don't make this into a real beer. Yeah. And you can't buy the Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead Jimbo's Beerbos at your at
1: our local beer store in the next six months. Well, get on that, AMC. Make some Jimbo's Beerbos. Uh, before we go back to talk about Alicia and, and Strand and John Dory, th- this episode finished with a... Quick scene of, of Martha, who, incidentally, I guess they just let get up and walk away. <laughs> they had well, her— She was tied with zip cuffs. Zip cuffs are notoriously bad if the person is
2: left unattended. Sure. You can
1: get out of them pretty easily. Sure. And they looked pretty super loose, too. It didn't look like they really yeah. tied them up very tight. But still, if you're going to keep someone prisoner or hostage or captive, do them up a little better. They She just, I guess, just got up and walk walked away. And now she's hanging around with reanimated Jim and she's written his recipe all over his face. So, well, uh, Jim's head, right? What do you mean? Like she, she's,
2: of- what well, she, he's, we started off this episode with Jimbo not wanting to walk around in the zombie apocalypse, you know, and having both his legs broken. So that at least he wouldn't be walking around until somebody sticks their, uh, sharp pointed object in his head. Uh and then he jumped off this thing and he probably broke a whole bunch of bones and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't think as an animated dead body, he's a lot of use to uh, Martha. So I think I saw a shot where she was started to cut off his head. She stabbed him in the neck. She just, she just wants the head. Like the mm. body's useless. I just want the snap snapping head.
1: You may be right about that. I thought she was poking him in the neck with her like little zombie wrangling tool there or pole, zombie wrangling pole. And she was going to walk him around as her new weapon right, that we saw her yeah. doing with the box people.
2: Well, that's what she's doing with his head. I don't think
1: that, like, the body's not going to be walking
2: around a whole lot.
1: I guess He's so. pretty banged up, right? That's true. That's true. And he and they made a point of telling us that when he was peeing off the roof, too. Yeah. Right? So I think it's just going to be his head. Okay, maybe his head. But she says to him, you're strong now. Let's go make him strong, too. So is she talking about Morgan?
2: Yeah, she got a thing for Morgan.
1: I, I guess so. So we're not done with Martha, even though I... Felt like we were there for a while. Yeah, she was injured enough to collapse, but she's fine now. She's fine now. She was able to get out of the cuffs and get away and cut a guy's head off. She got
2: some rest. You know, they probably gave her some water and helped her out, which probably pissed her off to no end. Yeah. But now she's uh, up and at him.
1: Well, I have to admit, I kind of was hoping Martha would just go away or end up killed somehow in this episode, but that's not what happened. So we're still going to have her hanging around, um, presumably, at least for next week, which is the season finale. Who knows after that? But um, anyways, yeah, I was was pretty sure she was talking about Morgan when she said, let's go make him strong too, uh, but we'll have to wait to find out. So... If we jump back in the episode a little bit, then, Jason, we've got the stuff with Alicia and Charlie randomly running into Strand and John Dory on the island, uh-huh. and um turns out that they go looking for a boat, but come across Martha, who collapses, steal back Al's van, and then are able to just drive it across the water, and my first reaction was... Wait a minute. The water's only three feet deep this whole time. You can drive a military truck through it, and they were stuck there. I know there was a crocodile, this killer croc, in the water, but it seemed, I don't know, it it seemed unexpected, anticlimactic in a little way that that, that she could just drive across.
2: Okay, so a couple things. One, uh, yeah, the water was, you know, waist deep, right? But The mud added another foot and a half. And walking across that mud would be nigh on impossible, especially if there's a killer croc, uh, you know, flitting around looking mm-hmm. for things that are stuck in the water. Sure. So, uh, sure, they don't have to worry about zombies coming at them. But, uh, yeah, that mud would make that completely impassable. If it was concrete under there, no problem. No right? problem. Like, if it was a road. Uh, but, yeah, if it was mud, there's there's no way that you'd, you'd like, you get stuck in the mud easy. Yeah, okay. It's a good point. So and then that vehicle driving across, I mean, they really did that, right? They had that vehicle drive through that water and that mud.
1: Well, another thought occurred to me is that maybe the water, like maybe a day or two has passed and the water has receded somewhat. Yeah, so bit, I guess. when John Dory and Strand tried to take their makeshift boat across, maybe it was deeper because it sure looked like they jumped out and had to swim. Um, but again, if they, if it was muddy, they might not have been able to walk, anyways. But maybe two days later, the water had receded or gone down and it wasn't as deep anymore. So right. that occurred to me and kind of made sense. But I also don't know how Alicia knew this, right? She just took that thing and drove in. It could have been 20 feet deep for all she knows. Well, I don't know if it would, even then.
2: Okay, so here's my story that I wanted to talk about. So uh, this reminded me of a story that my stepfather told me. Uh, as you may know, I was in the uh, the reserves, uh, you know, nigh on a time ago. I I recall. Uh, before I was even born, my stepfather, when he was 19, uh, was also in the reserves in the same regiment I was, the 49th Field Regiment uh, up in the Sioux. And it's an artillery regiment. So they have these big trucks called Deuce and a Half, Deuce and a Half, which are two and a half ton trucks, uh, which pull the uh, the guns, the the 105 howitzers. Uh-huh. So they they pull them, uh, and then the back of the truck has got a big canopy on it. It's got these massive thin tires, right? And they wanted to, uh, he was telling me a story of when he was in the 49th, uh, they went out into a bog to try and get one of these things stuck so that they could practice towing it out. And the, the bog, it was always like water and a bog and it was up to their necks, the water yeah. plus another foot and a half of, uh, uh, of mud. So they drove this thing back and forth for half an hour trying to get it stuck and they couldn't get it stuck in the mud. Uh, because it just it was just too awesome a vehicle to get stuck at all in a bunch of mud and until they they actually turned off the engine and once they turned off the engine, the exhaust pipe was actually underwater and because there was no positive pressure in there anymore, the mud went right up the exhaust pipe into like through the muffler into the engine and just completely they had to rebuild the whole engine uh, in order to clean that thing out so that 's another thing, but they couldn 't get this thing stuck. They tried for like half an hour. They could not get the vehicle stuck. It had similar tires to this SWAT vehicle. Mm -hmm. So this SWAT vehicle driving through this mud and showing up on the other end, even if the water was another three feet higher, it probably still would have been okay. I mean, the inside of the vehicle might have been wet, but I think that everything would have been fine. Diesel, big tires, uh, six-wheel drive. Uh, I don't think it would have had a problem no matter how deep that water was. It probably could have been... Uh, Like, modern military vehicles have a snorkel now, so the air intake is, uh, you know, at the driver height. You could actually drive around in those vehicles with the water up to your chest, driving, and you wouldn't have a problem.
1: (laughs) Wow. Well, okay, fair enough. So, I still don't know how Alicia knew that this vehicle would be able to to handle that, other than just assuming it, But uh, because I, I just feel like she jumped in and was like, I'm driving across that water no matter what. It it just, it just. She went fast. I know. Fast is Probably wasn't the best idea, but you know, uh, the stunt person that did the driving actually went fast. Sure. It just feels risky to me. It's like you have this great vehicle and you're going to risk getting it rammed in a, stuck in a river. But if you're saying that's virtually impossible, then I'll take your word for it. I did really, really like the one overhead shot we got of the truck straight down going across the water because it reminded me of a crocodile moving through uh, moving through a body of water. And I thought that was just a really cool parallel of, we know there's a killer croc in there, and now we have the truck going through, and it kind of looked like a nature shot of a crocodile making making a wake <laughs> in, cool. in the water. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then, to be fair, this was another one of my feel-good moments for the episode, where she pulls up on the other side, pops the door open, and, you know, Strand and John Dory are rescued. They... They take a drink of their, uh, whatever strand is drinking there and everybody's happy again. Um, and then then she, and then Charlie hands him his hat. Charlie hands him his hat and he says, Hey, you're talking now. So all of that made me feel very good. I like that. The only thing that could have been better is whatever Alicia said when she opened the door, I wish she'd opened the door and said, you guys looking for a ride? Oh, (laughs) you're looking for a one-liner? I was looking for Uh, a one-liner there.
2: You know, to be honest, if I was doing that, I'd be probably thinking of a one-liner while I was driving across. I'm like, what would be the best one-liner?
1: Right, exactly. Like, can I give you a lift? Are you looking for a ride? Yeah. You boys uh, need a lift. My way. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> See, any of that would have been would have been good. I like that. Even so. uh, you looking
2: to party, which uh, I believe is euphemism for "Hey, you hooker, I would like you to get in my car." Or maybe I, that's what the hooker says to the to the John. You're looking to party.
1: I I really have no idea.
2: Well, you know, in personal life, no, I don't have any idea. I learn everything I know from TV and movies, but I think that that's, uh, like, I also know what a happy ending is. I've never had one, but I know what it is. (laughs) From
1: movies and TV. Right, exactly. I swear, from movies and TV. That's right. Uh, So, yeah, but, I mean, I don't know, kind of coincidence that they found them at all, uh, and then it all led to this, and this is what brings everybody back together, or sort of the stepping, one of the stepping stones to it, because now they're all together and they have coincidentally just heard uh, Morgan on the radio. uh, So they know where to go. And then they, you know, realize that they have Martha in there. So she's no longer a threat, at least for now. And it brings everyone back together to save Morgan from the roof. And I really just sort of have one more observation about this episode. um, And that is, walkie-talkies. Jason. Uh-huh. Yes. I think this season has relied way too much on walkie-talkie communication.
2: Uh, and, are you talking about the practical usage of the walkie-talkie over the distances that are probably necessary for uh these people to get back together or are you just talking about uh uh the previous you know seasons of Walking Dead episodes or
1: Walking Dead TV shows? have rarely used walkie-talkies to do anything. I I think I'm talking about everything. I think it seems like walkie-talkies on this half of this season are ubiquitous. They're everywhere. Everybody has one. They always work, except when they don't, because it's convenient to the plot. And they've just, the the show has just relied on them so much. Um, Like I said, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they work against them, because someone's listening in to their conversations. Uh, and if you go back and watch these episodes, I think you could probably pick out dozens of times when someone picks up somebody on the walkie talkie that they're not expecting and says their name with a question mark. There is so much (laughs) Alicia, Morgan, June. Is that you, John? Like that happened a whole bunch in this episode. And I think it has happened a lot in this whole season. So I just feel like just the writing in general has relied on their ability to communicate when they need to or not when they don't and um it's it started to get to me a little bit in this episode because it just felt so easy sometimes everyone has a radio they can talk and it, it just the distance between them becomes meaningless at that point.
2: Uh yeah. I mean radios are a reality, right? And they're not going away. I know
1: radios exist in the world but I, they're just, they're everywhere right now. Everybody has one.
2: Well, that's because, uh, you know, the, the, the transportation guy had a bunch of radios and he left them everywhere. He always left them in a box, right? Here's a radio. Here's a radio. Here's another radio. I found a whole radio factory. Here's a radio. You get a radio, you get a radio. Everybody gets a radio. Obviously everyone has a radio. Right. you get some batteries because, uh, you know, modern radios, uh, just take some, uh, AA batteries, mm-hmm. like three AA batteries, you throw them in, you're good, or you can have rechargeable batteries if you have a station for recharging them Yeah, or what have you. So batteries are ubiquitous. Radios are everywhere. Radios are given out by the guy. So they explain it in the story as well. Everybody gets a radio. I mean, sure. You know, can you have downtown hospital communicate with uh, middle of the wilderness, uh, you know, flooded people? I don't know. Is that more than 50 kilometers away? We don't know. I can tell you that I have a two-way radio. I have two two-way radios, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's because I bought them as a pair. And I had one, uh, when I first got them, I wanted to test the range, so I gave one to my wife. And then I went to Home Depot because I had to go to Home Depot. When I was there, I radioed her and she could hear me. How far away was that? Uh, probably about two kilometers. That's pretty fun. That's pretty, pretty fun, but I wouldn't... Uh, you know, fifty kilometers, like they say the range is up to fifty kilometers if you know you and your friend are both on a mountain top, each on their own mountaintop, fifty kilometers away with uh no other radio signals, you might be able to pick each other up. If you're lucky, yeah. If you're lucky.
1: Okay. But in the city you're you're only expected to get about a kilometer. Right. And well, you got more than that, so that's exciting. Yeah. But all that said, I think the radios have been overused in this season, but they did lead to another and my third and final feel good moment of this episode. And that's when, and as, as, you know, again, as wacky as this kind of was, I couldn't help but be like, hey, yeah, all right, the team's back together. It was when Morgan is on the roof and there's, they're on the radios and everybody, almost every other character on the ground gets a turn of saying morgan we're here to rescue you 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 know you can't stop us we're here to do this they all tell we get john we get alicia lucy sarah june strand they all get on the radio to tell morgan how great a guy he is how valuable he is how important he is to the group and that we're we're getting you down buddy we're here to we're here to do it for you so yes yes that makes me feel good. It makes me feel warm and fuzzy because they all love Morgan and he's a great guy and they're all nice people and they want to help him. Uh, but I'm also like, God damn, radios. There's so many of them. <laughs> right. he, so. he
2: must be the cotter pin of, this, of, the, uh,
1: of the group. I guess so. I guess yeah. so. Um. So yeah. So all over the place, I think, this episode. I liked parts. I couldn't stand parts. I'm glad Jim's dead. I'm... Not glad that Martha's not dead, <laughs> if that That's makes right. any sense. Uh, and, and I'm glad the team's back together, except for Al. We don't know where Al is. Uh, so I imagine the season finale next week is going to be about finding Al. Yeah, she's dead. No way, Al's not
3: dead.
2: Just... And they killed everybody off with like
1: ambiguous circumstances. So uh, why not her? They're not killing Al off. I mean, she's not dead now. If they kill her off, it will be next week. Um, and then, if we believe what Morgan had to say after the beer naming conversation, they're going to find Al and hit the road to Alexandria. Yeah. So I I wonder how serious that is. Yeah. You want to make God laugh? Make a plan. Make a plan. That's right. Yeah. All right. Don't you think that season five of Fear the Walking Dead could be a road trip season on the way between Austin, Texas and Alexandria, Virginia?
2: I would be very happy if, well, I don't know if I would be very happy, but I'd be very surprised if they rolled this cast into the big show. Uh, I don't think they're going to do that. I think, if anything, they're going to splinter this cast and the other cast off into one more show where part of this cast and part of that cast come together and make a super cast, and they go off and make a super show. Sure, Be not afraid of The Walking Dead or something like that.
1: Well, and then we'll have to hire more hosts to work on our Walking Dead podcasting network and cover that show as well.
2: Yeah, I guess we would. That's right. But uh, no, I don't think that they'll ever get there. Like, they can't,
1: right? I don't know. If they do, I think that, like, if they did something like that, the road trip movie, and spend a whole season traveling across the United States to Virginia, with the expectation that they do actually arrive there at the end of the season and then the, the shows merge. I think what they'd probably do is thin the cast as they went and you'd, you'd lose characters along the way, not really gaining anybody new so that when they did get to Alexandria, there was only three or four left, Morgan, one of them, of course, and uh, and then you don't have this massive influx of people into the new show. Right. But... I also think that's rather unlikely, and who knows what's going to happen next year. And we still have the uh, season finale to get through, so we, uh, I'm looking forward to that. All right, let's take a really short break. Jason, when we come back, we'll have some listener feedback about this episode. Super. Stay with us.
3: I get up, but nothing gets me down. Well, you've got it tough, I see the toughest soul. how you feel. you got to roll with the punches just to get to what's real. I can't just seem to stand here. I've got my back against the record machine. I ain't the worst that you've seen. I don't know what I'm Ah, you might as well jump. Well, you might as well jump.
0: Listener feedback.
1: Alrighty, Jason, it's time for some listener feedback. And our first email here comes from Chris in the UK. Now, Chris, as usual, wrote in a much longer... Uh, message, and he was listing a lot of the coincidences in this episode. I think we've probably touched on many of them, but I wanted to read this part of his email. He says, "'I want to talk Walker rules for a moment. Yes, it has been established that you can distract them with sound, but I don't see why that works when they have line of sight on living prey. They don't get bored. They don't get frustrated. So why do they prioritize unknown sounds off in the distance over juicy live humans right in front of them?' I'll buy that they don't have object permanence so you could hide and then they'd be distractable. But why did they go for the cars when they could see our heroes only inches away? Is curiosity the only instinct stronger than the need to eat? And what Chris is referring to is when the first car alarm goes off and everybody runs for that ambulance and gets in it and drives away. The zombies are basically right there looking at June before she jumps in. But, um, uh, they're distracted by the, uh, by the car alarm and then turn around and go back straight at her. So, yeah, I think the zombie rules with sound have been played with a little loose on this show because they go towards the sound and as soon as the sound stops, they just turn around and go somewhere else. Uh,
2: yeah, it's a little convenient. Uh, you know, it's whatever the plot
1: dictates. I mean, yes, that's a problem. Exactly. I think that's a problem, and I'm glad you agree. Uh, Sean on the internet writes, Am I the only one bummed out that June and John didn't get to have an epic reuniting moment? Something big, big epic with a kiss? Or have they just mutually friend-zoned each to each other?
2: No, their love is so deep and, uh, and heartfelt that they don't need to have that uh, overt public displays of affection. Uh, it's not, uh, you know, the ending of a, uh, of a sappy movie where the couple finally gets back together. It's, uh, it's real, it's, it's real, you know, respect and, uh-huh. and a deep love that, uh, uh, just being within, uh, you know, a five foot radius of the, of that person is, is enough.
1: Well, I. Until, you know, they're alone. Until they get back to the cabin. Right, and then or, all bets you know, are
2: at the off. back of a car or <laughs> underneath a bush or whatever. Right, but I like they're, think... al- they're definitely not alone right now. But as soon as they have some time where they can uh, escape into uh, some kind of uh,
1: place where they won't disturb other people, sure. Well, I I think they handled their reunion actually quite well in this episode. If they did immediately come back together and have this big epic, you know, reunion kiss or something, it would have felt like too much for me. Um And also, of course, if there was still danger around, that's not the time to do that sort of thing. What they did instead is once they were back in the truck and they were driving away, talking about naming the beer, they had a scene where they started just quietly holding hands together. And that's what I thought was really, really appropriate for these two. And it fits in with what you were saying about it's just so deep and strong. You know, they're just together again and they didn't need to you know, have a big moment. And so I thought it was handled really well and with some class on this, this one.
2: And John's not an idiot either. Uh, You know, uh, she's pretty skittish. She might run off if he gets a little too overly affectionate, right? She's just going to bolt. So he's got to, he's got to be smart about this. Yeah. He knows what he's doing when it comes to wooing the ladies. Yeah. Or at least wooing this one. This particular one. You know, read the situation. So if he, uh, if he gets a little too uh, overt, uh, she's, she's going to bolt. A little handsy? He's, she's out of there. I don't know about handsy, but just like kind of even making, you know, two big facial
1: expressions. <laughs>
2: right. Yeah. To
1: be fair, I can't see John Dory getting handsy.
2: No, I don't think he'd get handsy, but yeah, he, he's just got to, you know, you, you read the situation
1: and he knows the situation and, uh, she's pretty skittish. All right. Very good. Thanks, Sean. Uh, next up is Jack on the internet. Jack writes, good episode. I really loved seeing the group working together to get something done. I'm just not buying that Dirty Michonne, A, got away, B, did not get killed by walkers, and C, is still an issue. As actual threats go, she's somewhere between the well zombie and the Vatos' grandma. But somehow, she's Negan-level menacing. So if you remember way back in season oh, yeah. one or two, we had the Vatos. Two. who Vatos. Vatos. Vatos gang for a while. Uh, And then, of course, the well zombie, which we were calling the teabag zombie for a long time. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's that's my feeling. Martha's just not that threatening, yet she comes off or they're trying to play her up as super threatening. And I'm I'm not getting it myself. So I hope she isn't this like massive threatening villain to to end all villains next week, because that's not going to feel earned, in my opinion.
2: Well, you got to watch out for those ones, though. That those are the ones, you know. The the governor level thing is uh, is one thing, but it's it's the subtle ones. It's just the the ones you don't expect to keep coming back and to be so malicious that are uh, that are truly evil bastards that'll get you. Maybe right? if you if, if you know the governor's coming, you're gonna prepare for it. But for her, he's like, well, she's just this dirty lady that we keep shooting or tying up and she keeps getting away and
1: she just won't die. It just feels like they're not taking her seriously. Oh, they're not, because
2: she's not a person to be taken seriously. Because she's not a threat. <laughs> that's the threat. thing. So And that's 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 why she's a threat, because nobody's taking her seriously. All right. You're not taking her seriously. I'm not taking her seriously for calling her dirty Michonne for crying out loud. How can we take her
1: seriously? Yeah, it's a good point. We'll have to see what happens with her next week because she's not gone yet. Uh, Next up is Sally on the internet. Sally writes, okay, that was fun. It was almost like a caper episode and I loved every second of it. When Alicia comes barreling through the water in that SWAT team beast of a car, I jumped up and down, clapping like a kid with a balloon. So there you go. Nice. It's it's exciting. Uh, Steve on the internet, Jim, did he say something or nothing? at the end over the walkie. I'm not waiting around three to four seasons to find out if it was pickle juice. That is horseshit is what it is. You just
2: I don't know why they did that. That was dumb. Have him uh, whisper something. Have him to... whisper something. Yeah. Like he didn't even mention his uh yeast cake that he was so concerned about last week. It's like Well he's supposed to make beer without yeast. You can't.
1: Maybe that was the thing.
2: Get some yeast, goddamn you <laughs>
1: Right? Maybe, yeah. Get some friggin' yeast. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I forgot to bring that up earlier. It, it I, I did think that was just added to the stupidity of that scene. Like, why is there a secret? Well, there doesn't need to be a secret. I mean, honestly, is Sarah going to go off and become the new Jim and make and talk about beer constantly? If she does, I'm going to start hating her too. So, Well, here's the thing.
2: Like, I don't know shit about making beer. I don't know shit about making wine. I know you can get kits, right, that can make homemade crappy beer and homemade crappy wine, I assume. Sure. But if you are actually thinking about making beer from scratch, I don't think it's a matter of just following a recipe. I think it's the kind of thing that you go to school for and you don't just say, let it sit for 10 days, no less. No, you're going to have to let it sit for 10 days under these circumstances in order to have this particular chemical reaction, uh, you know, happen to this point. And mm-hmm. if it hasn't happened at that point, you let it go another day. If it happens a little bit early, you're, earlier, you go nine days. So it's not just a matter of s- let it sit for 10 days. It's a matter of let it sit until these circumstances arise. And that usually takes about 10 days. Sure. And this is an entire line of study for people and that, that spend their whole careers doing it. And Jimbo has done that. He's gone to school. He's studied this. He knows what he's doing it's not just a matter of following a recipe. this you know it's the same Walter White breaking bad argument, right it's not a recipe it's a scientific process
1: right there's an art to it, and that's what Jim had probably but but not everybody does and it's the same with walter white he 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 knows the ingredients you need, and yes, that's sort of a recipe, but he knows the art to it, or in that case, the science to it with beer there's science and art, and it all come it all mixes together, so just having those ingredients. You're right. I don't think that means she could make beer worth anything, but maybe it's a or starting even
2: beer point. Or even beer, yeah. You can make some kind of garbage swill drink uh-huh. that might be alcoholic and or poison you to death,
1: but I don't know about making beer. Well, I hope they just forget that this whole beer thing ever happened and move away because I hated it. Oh, they're not going to do that. They can't do that. They named it Jimbo's Bimbo or
2: whatever they called it. Uh, oh, Jimbo's they, Bimbo would have been a better name. Jimbo's Beerbos. <laughs> Uh They, you know, and they went to the whole rigmarole of him saying, uh, you know, and the trope of saying, I'm never going to do that. And then, you know, the next scene he does it. I'm never going to give you the recipe. You screw off. I'm never giving you the recipe. I'm never giving, you, I absolutely will never give you the recipe. Oh, by the way, here's the recipe.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then to make the thing a secret, like, is that really going to come back eventually and we're going to find out what that was? Yeah. Oh.
2: It's got to be a thing, right? They wouldn't have they wouldn't have brought it up if it's not a thing. It's right. It's got to be a thing. They gotta, somebody's got to make beer. I don't know if they're going to, uh, if they're going to be on the road to go to Alexandria, they better have a brewery on wheels because
1: somebody's got to make beer. Well, I look forward to that, I'll tell you. All right. Uh, Vicky on the internet writes, I can't believe they allowed Martha to be saved again. Wasn't Charlie sitting next to her in the SWAT van? How did she escape? Why wasn't anyone watching that crazy murderer? Makes me very upset. Makes me think they are idiots. Uh, yeah. Kind of. It's just to <laughs> leave her there, barely
2: tied up. If you're going to leave somebody some someplace tied up, tie them up really well
1: and leave them in a box which is the back of a van, you know, fine, but tie them up really well. This reminds me too. It also bothered me a little bit that when she was shooting at Alicia, um, yeah. just before she collapsed, Alicia starts yelling, we can help you, we can save you. And I'm okay with that, sort of, but I also think Alicia probably would have returned fire. At least one or two shots. You know, you're getting shot at, shoot back, while you're trying to yell, we can help you. <laughs> but she didn't she because just that's funnier well yeah it is funnier but we can she help, just help hit,
2: you <laughs> just stop shooting <laughs> right exactly
1: i just funny. think they should have done that i think they i think i just think that's how alicia would have handled it to be honest but she didn't uh all right john on facebook from our facebook page writes do the writers know that radios work inside vehicles and he's referring to June standing outside the ambulance on the radio while the zombies are getting closer and yeah. closer to her, When well, she could have just got in and still talked on the radio.
2: Yeah. Well, I guess it depends on the vehicle. I mean, the uh, the SWAT vehicle? Probably not. That's a metal cam. Pretty right? sure that
1: in the cockpit of an ambulance, you can use a radio. Yeah. Well, don't they have a radio in the cockpit
2: of an ambulance? I'm
1: pretty sure they do. Yeah. So, I would think so. They maybe with... just use their phones nowadays, do they? No, I doubt it. You I'm an... I'm sure they have an external antenna, but I'm pretty sure that walkie-talkie would have worked inside. Anyways, uh, I guess it was more dramatic to have her standing out there almost get eaten. It's true. Uh, Josh on Facebook writes, anyone else notice that the back half of season four mirrors the back half of season four of The Walking Dead? After the governor attacks and essentially destroys the prison, our group suffers a terrible loss. On The Walking Dead it was Herschel, on this show it was Madison, and is scattered to the wind. We get a series of bottle episodes as our characters work toward a destination that will ultimately unite them before the seasons end. Maybe because this feels like territory we've explored before is why the back half of Fear isn't as strong as some previous seasons, or maybe we're not as invested in the characters because many of them are new, unlike our prison gang was back on the main show. I know many people did not look fondly back on some of those episodes, but in hindsight, those are some pretty great ones with amazing character arcs. I think it's an interesting point to say that this is sort of mirroring season four of Walking Dead too. And I guess he's referring to them being on their way to Terminus, right? Yeah. Back then. So interesting. I I, I doubt that that's intentional in any way, but I can see the parallels.
2: Maybe Carol will show
1: up and save them all. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. She'll show up, blow up a fuel tank and... Everyone will be saved. And then she'll just be on her merry way. Yeah, that's what Carol does. Uh, All right, Robin from our Facebook page writes, I liked the episode and thought there were some tense moments. I thought Morgan was a goner. Then that walker came through the glass and grabbed him. And I really thought from, sorry, I thought Morgan was a goner when that walker came through the glass and grabbed him. And I really thought for a minute that Alicia was going to get the truck stuck in the water. It bordered a little close to blatant, uh, sentimentality at the end, but I got choked up over Jim sacrificing himself. Hmm. Not me, not you, man. <laughs> no, that's but for sure. I certainly don't blame anyone who was a Jim fan for being emotional about that. Because if you like Jim, you know, jumping off a roof to save everyone is a pretty heroic act, and I can I can understand that.
2: Yeah, I and uh, that uh, vehicle would not get have gotten stuck because I have anecdotal, unverified information from the seventies. That uh, proves that that vehicle would not have gotten stuck. Fair enough. And we saw that vehicle drive through that water and it didn't get stuck.
1: Well, there you go. That's how we know it wouldn't get stuck. Yeah. Okay, we have two calls. First one here comes from Thomas.
0: Hi, fellas. Uh, This is Thomas from Virginia. Uh, I wanted to call today to talk to you guys about Martha. Um, I've really been enjoying her as a villain in the latter half of season four of Fear the Walking Dead. And I really think that she has a tight connection to Morgan that can really kind of end the Morgalizing storyline, uh, storyline, um, his back and forth uh, between um, protecting the people that he loves and keeping himself sane. Um, I believe that Martha is the perfect villain uh, to show Morgan that sometimes you have to kill people in order to protect those that you love. Um, I know he's, had many chances to learn that lesson in the past. Um, But I think Martha with the specific way that she's attempted to connect to Morgan. um, I I think that there's going to be a lot of interaction between the two next season. Um, And I I think that uh, he's going to gain a better understanding of what it's like or what, what it's supposed to be to lead in the, in the zombie apocalypse. Uh, Thanks a lot for the podcast guys. It's great. I love it every week and uh, keep doing it. Thanks.
1: Thank you, Thomas. So Martha's the anti Morgan. And I must admit, this is an idea I can kind of get on board with.
3: Yeah,
2: okay.
1: Because, I mean, maybe this is what Morgan needs. He needs, like, a mirror to look in to to really solidify his character into something. Because, as Thomas said, he's been all over the place. He's had a lot of opportunities to kind of learn some things about what it takes. Uh, And... You know, this season has been all about him trying to help these people bring them back together and you know get them off the roof basically. Um, and and Martha is a loner, sort of doing the opposite, so she's the anti Morgan, and you got to have both sides to the coin, and maybe that's what we're getting here so far. I don't think they've executed it very well, but if Martha's going to, if Martha, <laughs> Martha. Martha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the two of them combined. Uh, but if Martha is going to stick around for a while, then maybe this is what they're going for. And hopefully they can do it well, because I might be able to get on board with that.
2: Right. And she's collecting zombies where
1: Morgan had to clear them. Well, see, she is the anti-Morgan. Yeah. They should, uh, they should
2: really uh, lean into that a little bit more.
1: Yeah, and I think they should. I agree with that. Maybe if they do, it'll be easier to see the parallels and and easier to understand Martha as a character. And I yeah. think that's all it might take. So
2: Yeah, and it might be as simple as uh, Martha's dirty, Morgan's clean. Exactly. That's He showers on a regular basis, or at least splashes water over himself
1: occasionally. And she hasn't done that in a long time. It's been a while. If ever. All right, final call here comes from our buddy, Designer Will.
3: Hey, guys, it's Designer Will from L.A. with some feedback from last week's episode. We got some good and some bad. I think it's cool that we're back into a bit of a more urban environment. It was nice seeing that, like in the uh, hospital and out in the streets and stuff. Also, the gang's back together for the most part. Um, No one knows where Al is, but that's okay. Okay. And of course, uh, Jimbo is finally dead. Good to see him gone. And now for the bad. When Morgan swung the walker to hit the car, in one scene it looks like the walker is not going to land anywhere near the car, and the next it falls directly down on top of it. We also have the ambulance that our crew gets into, uh, just magically working first try, got keys, got gas, no problem. And the best is when they get a fire truck to pull Morgan down from the top of a hospital. But when they're stuck on top of said uh, fire truck, they can't use the ladder to get, like, I would say, 30 feet away to the SWAT van. I thought the irony there was pretty good. And unfortunately, there's a lot of little pieces of comic relief that are, I don't know, they just fall flat. Anyway, there's a few thoughts off the top of my head. And always keep up the good, hard work. Appreciate it, guys.
1: Thanks, Designer Will. And I want to know, he used to be Designer Will from Brooklyn, but now he's Designer Will from L.A. So I want to know if he's just on vacation or if he's permanently moved. Is it the same Designer Will? Maybe there's more than one person that their mom named them Designer Will. (laughs) Could be. Uh, Or if if he's mentioned this before, and I forget, I, I don't know, but... Um, anyways, uh, I think he hit the nail on the head with a lot of that stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, we covered a fair bit of it. So, uh, sort of sums up the episode nicely, I think. So thank you, designer Will, for sending that in. And that is it. That is all the feedback we have for this show. Jason, that is it. Next week is the season finale of fear the walking dead. And then after that, there's no time in between. We get the season nine premiere of walking dead, which I'm very much looking forward to, uh, getting to now that's not to say I'm not looking forward to the season finale of this show. Um, but I always get a little more excited when the walking dead comes back for a new season. I just peed a little bit. (laughs) Good. You're gonna have to clean your chair after. Yeah. Yeah, I will. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So next week's episode is called I Lose Myself, or I should say specifically Ellipsis, I Lose Myself. Oh, I see. Dot, 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 I Lose Myself. Yep. And that is the uh, episode 16. If you would like to do a title read, by all means read that somehow into your phone or your computer. Send us the file, and I will play as many title reads as I can. Um, That'll be next Tuesday, a week from tonight. Um, and that's that. So thanks everyone so much for tuning in. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can visit our website at talkingdeadpodcast.com. And up at the top, there's a send voicemail link. You can use that to record a message into your computer and it will be sent straight to us. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead. We are on Twitter at talking dead or Send all of your email correspondence to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. So thanks, everyone, for listening. And until next time, my name is Chris.
2: My name is Jason. Thanks for listening.
1: Ciao. All right. Let's take a really short break, Jason, when we come back. We'll have some listener feedback about this episode. Stay with super, us. Super. <laughs> super. Super, super.
2: Super. <laughs> Sorry.